This is a Watchdog Morning Show Rewind. Here's Howard Monroe. Welcome to the program. Uh, Supreme, recently appointed Supreme Court Justice in West Virginia, Haley Bunn. Good morning, Mrs. Justice. Madam Justice, welcome to the show. Good morning, Howard. It's so nice to be here. Have you settled in? You've been uh, Supreme Court Justice for, you were appointed back in, I think, April. Have you settled in? Do you feel comfortable in the role? I, I am getting there with the help of the other four justices. They have been so gracious collegial, patient with me, particularly on the just sort of procedural side of, of getting used to how the court works and the flow. Uh, but yeah, I've definitely dug in. I've been very busy. We're about to start our uh, fall term up, which will be really busy uh, and packed, and I'm excited for it. You know, I've, I've known a number of Supreme Court justices, state justices over the years, and I've always been surprised as they tell me the story about how how collegial the court tends to be. Not always. I mean, yeah. there have been times in history where it hasn't been that way. But but generally it is very collegial, and no matter what the, the perspective of individual justices are, you tend to kind of all recognize you're in this together. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, several folks have asked me, well, what's your favorite part about the job? And funny enough, my favorite part about the job is the disagreement. <laughs> um <laughs> We, uh, in conference, uh, we have spirited discussions where we listen to one another. We are open to one another's perspectives. We are all um, uh, defending our position, but we're not attacking each other. We respect each other for, for the position that they have. And I think that's, that's something, that true discourse and respect for the other person, no matter what the conclusion is, um, and willingness to have an open mind, I think that's missing sometimes in private practice, and it's been very refreshing. You were in private practice. You did some civil defense litigation. You were an assistant U.S. attorney down in the Southern District. I think you handled opioid cases in particular. Um, One of the questions I am always curious about, because I don't know how I would do it, how do you come out of a background where either as a defense attorney or a prosecutor, you are... You're an advocate. I mean, that's what you sure. do, and it's almost ingrained in you. At least that's what I see on Law and Order, which is where I'll get my, all, my, all my knowledge from. <laughs> it's almost ingrained in you. How do you step up to the bench, put on the robe, and suddenly say, now I'm going to be fair and balanced? Sure. Well, um, you know, I do try to always start out before I look at anything with a case, you know, remind myself of what my role is. And I think, really, my, my background has, has kind of set me in the right position. And growing up in southern West Virginia and with a close family, my dad kind of always impressed upon me, do the right thing, do the next right thing. And uh, sometimes that was the popular thing, and sometimes that was the thing that made sense to everybody, and a lot of times it wasn't. Um, and so I try to keep that as my, my lodestar. And, and also my background really in the U.S. Attorney's Office, um, I recall so many times uh, different mentors in the office coming in, you know, if I'm struggling with an issue and how to advocate for something or whether or not to advocate for something or charging decisions, I often had a reminder, do justice, do the right thing. And, um, you know, that truly is the stance um, in the U.S. Attorney's Office. You know, obviously you, you charge the case and then you advocate and and um, follow that through and zealously advocate for the the United States but uh, in making those tough decisions really do justice was the lodestar so I I do look to that time as well and 
and try to remember um, the decisions that we're making are obviously impacting lives, um, and so doing the right thing will never see you wrong. So, I, I, I like that phrase, do justice, but I have to ask you this. Um, sometimes to do justice, do you have to – can you do justice and do the law at the same time? Uh, I think they're the same. You know, you can't be short-sighted uh, in doing justice. Uh, and when the rule of law prevails, it's good for everyone. Uh, even even maybe the loser in that particular case, <laughs> long term in our communities and uh, you know our democracy, uh, we want and we need the rule of law to prevail. And when it does, we all benefit in the long term. I know uh, interviewing judges is always difficult. I've done it a lot, and because you can't talk about a lot of specific things, but I always like to get a sense of: Do you have a judicial philosophy? I mean, what, what, how do you approach a case, or how will you approach a case? What is your judicial philosophy? Sure. Uh, well, I've already, you know, kind of gone down that road uh, that it is the rule of law and kind of the majesty mm -hmm. of the rule of law for me. Um, it's certainly not results-oriented. It is, um, you know, we have the law, we have the facts before us, and we, um, you know, we apply one to the other, and, and that's the right um, result. So not to say that some of the decisions aren't difficult. A lot of them are. Um, but when we follow the rule of law, we get to the right place. I truly believe that. I, I know you can't comment on any cases pending or even possibly pending. I don't want to, to ask you to do that. But I, I want to ask, do you, do you have concern? You, you were very aggressive in prosecuting uh, opioid cases in the U.S. Attorney's Office. At least that's my understanding. Yes. And um, will it be difficult to, to, to be more objective on the bench, to not automatically think like a prosecutor uh, that you were for such a good period of time and prosecuting such cases? Can you, can you step above that? And, or I'm sure you can, so my question will be, <laughs> how do you step above that? Sure. Well, you know, like I said, it, when, you're, when you're in the federal prosecutor's office, you have a lot of discretion in charging decisions and um, determining uh, whether to continue an investigation, the direction that investigation may go, and um, that experience and learning that and having some really great mentors and honestly some wonderful judges, you know, Judge Copenhaver uh, in the Southern District and, uh, you know, all the judges, Judge Berger, Judge Johnston, um, having them kind of refereeing the process, as well as some great mentors in the U.S. Attorney's Office, um, as well as in private practice, really. I've had the pleasure of working with some amazing mentors. Joanna Tabbitt, um, a circuit judge in Kanawha mm -hmm. County, was one of my mentors when I first came out into private practice. And I, you know, while uh, being an advocate is one thing, it's, it's not at the cost of uh, the truth and um, when at all costs has never been my philosophy and that's not been the philosophy of the mentors that I've worked with. Um, so that has helped me, I think, transition into the judicial role, um, just looking and, and again, do justice, do the right thing and make sure that the rule of law prevails, um, even in the opioid cases and all the cases that, that we handle. You mentioned at the beginning we talked about support from the uh, current members of the court, uh, collegial activity. They're helping to guide you along a little bit as a, the newcomer there. Uh, listening to you talk about some of the other folks as well, I'm wondering, do you anticipate reaching out and getting 
you know, support, for lack of a better word, from some of the other folks you mentioned? You know, can you picture asking Joanna Tabbitt, what do you think I should do or help me understand this or something? Where do you go for for support? Sure. Well, um, it's it's limited, you know, as far as specific issues. Obviously, we, uh, as you noted, we're we're not to talk about issues that um, are going to come before us, but, um, you know, Guidance from I'm actually really lucky to have a wonderful staff at the court. Um, I have four attorneys um, who are working with me, three of which were already at the court, and, and one of which is a former colleague of mine at the U.S. Attorney's Office. She, she's joined me um, as one of my staff attorneys. So I have, and I also have a wonderful legal assistant <laughs> too, which is huge, <laughs> as uh, anyone knows who's been in the legal uh, field at all. But having that wonderful staff around me and uh, my fellow justices is a huge support system, for sure. You've got an interesting family background. Coal miner's daughter, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. Coal miner's daughter, granddaughter, and great-granddaughter. So, southern West Virginia, uh, born and raised for the most part. We did move around a little bit in my childhood. Uh, Wyoming County was always home-based, and both sets of grandparents lived there. Um, and that, that was what was home, but my, my dad was a contract uh, mining engineer, so from time to time he would go other places in West Virginia, um, uh, places in Kentucky, Indiana, and, and even Australia. So I traveled around quite a bit as, as a young um, child, and I was homeschooled so that that was possible. Um, school just kind of picked up and, and came with me. <laughs> Take your school where, wherever yeah, you are, I guess. Yeah, right. yeah. When, when Governor Justice appointed you, I'm sure the first flush was excitement or, uh, I don't know what word to use, but a very positive emotion. But after it settled in, I mean, what, what did you think about? Not, all, right, not, all right, the appointment is neat. Now I've been appointed. <laughs> now you begin to stop and think about, oh, jeez. Sometimes you get what you ask for. <laughs> yeah. what, what, what settles in next after the first flush of excitement? Um, well, um, just I'm overwhelmed, really, uh, still. Uh, you know, I've just going into the office this week. It, we've had some really pretty sunny mornings. And walking in and looking up at the dome there and going into our beautiful courtroom and our chambers, I literally pinch myself sometimes that this is my job. And I'm a little bit nerdy. Um, so <laughs> it's also really exciting to me that I get to talk about the Constitution all the time and these fun weird legal issues that come up um, sometimes it's just it's really exciting Uh, it's obviously also very heavy um, but I think my upbringing and my background has kind of put me in a place where I can keep my feet on the ground and stay focused on the issue at hand and that's what I try to do if I get overwhelmed Um, but it's uh, it's a dream come true and an absolute honor to serve West Virginia. I, you know, public service, I think, kind of gets in your blood. Um, uh, while I've loved my time in private practice at Steptoe and Johnson, uh, after I left the U.S. Attorney's Office, I really did miss that, just serving our communities and serving West Virginia because I'm just, West Virginia was a wonderful place to grow up. It's a wonderful place to live. I'm, I love it so much. Um, so I'm happy to give just a little bit back. Um so that I feel really lucky to be able to do that. Yeah, in the legal profession, and I'm asking because I don't really understand. No, 
in the legal profession, it seems to me that going to the bench is kind of where everybody wants to eventually end up. Was that a goal of yours? Maybe not Supreme Court, but I mean, <laughs> was it? Did you have your eye on, as time goes by, finding yourself sitting on the bench somewhere? Well, you know, I, I guess you do think about that as a possibility. Um, but it's still, like I said, is a dream come true. But really, for me, it it did become very clear to me that public service was was where I wanted to be um, and where I I needed to be. Um, that's where I feel fulfilled and and doing justice and doing the right thing and giving back to West Virginia in a way that I can. And um, I am honored that this is the way that I can give back right now. Um, it's it's just wonderful. Governor Justice, according to an article that I have in front of me when you were appointed, said Haley will be a strong conservative voice in the court. She understands the importance of faith, traditional values, law, and order. Those things are the backbone of West Virginia. Do those things help? Do you think those help make you a better justice? Absolutely. Absolutely. I said it during my investiture, and I've said it, you know, multiple times before. Uh, you know, growing up in the coal fields is, is something that I think the outside world often wants to kind of point out as a disadvantage and all oh, those poor coalfield kids. <laughs> um, but for me, it was a distinct advantage to grow up in a place where there's a sense of community, um, where folks are looking out for one another, um, where hard work and integrity are of the utmost importance. Uh, and our faith is the most, uh, utmost importance. And I think that upbringing um, really set me up to be able to do, do this job and um, to stay focused on those values and those things as we move forward. And, um, yeah, like I said, I, I don't think it's a disadvantage the way that I grew up. I look at it as a, a real opportunity and advantage, and I think other folks and other kids growing up up in the hollers, as you can hear from my <laughs> accent, I clearly grew up of a holler. Um, <laughs> um, other kids from the hollers should, um, and hopefully will take notice of that and, and understand that it is an advantage uh, in some ways to grow up in West Virginia in these tight-knit communities that, that are so grounded. I suppose, just an opinion of mine, uh, that a court that's made up of a variety of different kinds of backgrounds probably is a better court because it brings different perspectives to things. I, I'm, I'm offering an opinion of my own. I don't know if you want to reflect on that, but I think it's probably a good idea that people of different backgrounds sit on the court uh, with good judi with good legal uh, background, but also, you know, different personal backgrounds helps to helps to bring different different things to to the decision making process. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's right, and um, and that's part of our our decision making process too um, with the other justices. You know, we all bring our own. Um, analysis to the table and like I said we're very open to one another and while we you know stick to our guns in a lot of ways we we also listen to well thought out um, arguments from the other justices and it's that's definitely part of the process and I think personally I'm, I'm proud of our court and and you know a lot of times we've called it the new court uh, because everybody knows um uh, that a few years ago our court did not exactly get along and there were some issues. Um, uh, but now the new court, as we call it, we are proud of how uh, we're civil to one another, 
and um, how we work together, and I think that it's benefiting West Virginia. You co-opted my last question, which was, um, uh, you know, how cognizant are you? You obviously are very cognizant of the turmoil the court went through only a handful of years ago, and my sense is what you just said, that things have really changed a lot. But that has to be something that you're aware of, that this court, not this court, but the court, was really the subject of great turmoil and division and controversy and trouble for a couple of years there. Sure. You have, to, you have to be aware of that as you, as you settle in there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was at the U.S. Attorney's Office. I, I did not handle the prosecution of Justice Walfrey, but I was at the U.S. Attorney's Office as it was ongoing and un- unfolding. Um, so definitely I'm, I'm very well aware of it. Um, but I will say um, it, it's not just an outward appearance of the new court really working together and really being collegial with one another and focusing on benefiting the people of West Virginia. That's not just uh, an illusion. And frankly, when I, when I was appointed to the court, I did have a little bit of a, oh, am I walking into something that I'm not sure that I'm walking in? I don't know. You know, is this going to be a toxic workplace? But it is not. It is the absolute well, I would assume, opposite. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I would assume you had to ask that question, didn't you? I mean, you had to kind of suss that out a little bit before you accept the appointment was what kind of, you know, has this really settled down? You had to have probably pursued that a little bit. Well, uh, yeah, obviously, you know, there was the the outward appearance of that, and I believed um, that that was the case. But definitely, you know, you never know until you go into a place and really get get dug in to see what it's like. And, and really, it is collegial. And To the point of, um, you know, the new court just last year added a civility oath um, Mm -hmm. to the new attorney's oath that they take to to start practicing law. That just shows the commitment to civility, collegiality. And in that oath, it says that that the new attorneys will be respectful to one another, to judges and to staff and to everyone that they deal with. I mean, even at even at the grocery store. I mean, it doesn't say the grocery store, but, you know, everybody. <laughs> um, and I think adding that to the oath really shows the commitment that this court has um, to, to civility, and that benefits everyone. Uh, one last question. Will you, will you enjoy pounding the gavel? I've always wanted to have a gavel and pound it. You know, to me, I just think that would be something special. Bam! I you know. don't have a gavel. So, yeah, the oh, chief has man. the gavel, so it's not mine right now. But um, we do at the court have these, these fun little pencils that you're supposed to give to kids with big erasers on each end that are kind of shaped like a gavel. So I can bang that on my desk from time to time. <laughs> I wouldn't ask you to comment on any, any case at all. Just do you know what kind of cases you'll be handling when you get uh, when, the, when the session starts? We are already uh, working hard. Um, I'll, I'll tell you that. We've, we, uh, we've got a big full, full docket, full term. Uh, so they're across the gamut about everything. Um, and before before I go, I, I do want to give a plug for something that's going on with the court right now. Um, sure, if absolutely. You don't mind. Um, in Charleston, um, we are going to put in a learning center uh, at, at the court in the courtroom. Well, right outside the courtroom on the third floor where the court is. I think the courts are often kind of a mystery to folks, mm-hmm. and um, you know, kind of don't don't feel comfortable going into a courtroom you don't feel comfortable you know what what goes on back there uh one of the things that the new court um 
is really committed to is demystifying what we do and how we do it. Um, because, you know, we are adamant that, you know, it's hard to promote respect for a system and a process that you don't understand. So we want to help folks understand uh, what the court does and how, how it does it. Um, the Learning Center is going to be an interactive um, sort of uh, installation that's going to be right outside the court courtroom. It's going to be focused on kids aged 6 um, to 14, which is, you know, I've got a 2-year-old and a 7-year-old, so that's right in my wheelhouse. I'm really committed to that. Um, and But it'll be for anybody who wants to just learn what the court does, and I think it will help to educate West Virginians and just the community about really the checks and balances in the system, what we're doing, how we do it, how a case or controversy gets to us, the difference between a court of record and an appellate court. These are things that, honestly, I've been surprised that maybe not a lot of people understand, except us mm -hmm. legal nerds and lawyers. Um, and sometimes I think we don't do our job of explaining it adequately because we're in our, our little lawyer bubble. Um, and I think the Learning Center is really going to help that. It will be completed, hopefully, um, late 2023. Um, but until then, we always welcome visitors at the court. We love to give tours. Uh, if you're in Charleston, come on down. We'll show you our courtroom. If there's a justice around, you'll often get a personal tour. Um, and, uh, yeah, let's give a little plug for that. That's great. I mean, that's, 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 I think you're right. A lot of people just don't know what, what goes on back there. Yeah. How does this all work? So yeah. I think that's a great point. Hey, I appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for dropping by and visiting with us. Uh, feel free to stop in anytime you happen to be up this way, and we'll, sure. we'll chat. Uh, but I uh, appreciate you coming by today, and good luck as you move forward on the court. All right. Thanks for having me, Howard. It's been a pleasure. Thank, thank you. Listen to more interviews and rants from the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe on Apple Podcasts.